Good morning. We're really excited to be with you today. My name is Zach Lyons, and um, you know we're here at the Go Conference talking about identity. So we thought we'd have a little bit of a conversation talking about how our identity, missional identity in Christ, is a foundation. It compels us to go now. So the whole thrust of this conversation is going to be pathways to go now. Um, oftentimes students think that they have to wait until after they finish high school or after they finish college or after they finish their seminary degree to be able to go and engage the nations wherever they may exist, either here in North America or around the world. What we want to try to help you see today is that you can engage in the mission of God right now as a student in your current role, in your current life stage. So with that, I serve as one of the pastors at Imago Day Church, which is right here in Raleigh. So I've got some, some of my members here. That's awesome. And, uh, and I also work for the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. And um, I, in that role, I help to mobilize churches across our state to engage in the mission of God, whether it's here in North Carolina, throughout North America, or around the world. I'd love to introduce you to the rest of, or have them introduce themselves uh, to the rest of the panel here. Brad, will you get us started? Sure. I'm going to feel really bad about myself because nobody's going to scream for me. Uh, so... <laughs> I, I am shameless, that's all you have to know. So uh, uh, my name is Brad Russell. I am the team leader for mobilization for the SBC of Virginia and also the pastor of Old Powhatan Baptist Church. And yes, it is old and in Powhatan. So. Awesome, y'all. So my name is Derek Rudolph. I'm a sin relief gin sin mobilizer here uh, at Southeastern Campus, kind of in the Raleigh area as well. Yeah, you can give it up a little bit, maybe. Yeah, shameless as well. Um, yeah, what was the rest of the question? Just who you are, what you're doing on the panel. Yeah, so, and also a student here at Southeastern, hoping uh, with some grace to finish in December. So, awesome. Hey guys, I'm Chad Stilwell. I serve at the International Mission Board. Uh, I uh, am from the great state of Alabama originally. You may hear the accent, yeah. And uh, I live in Virginia. The IMB headquarters is there. I'm a student mobilizer, so I help high school students, college students, and 20-year-olds find ways to serve and go overseas to take the gospel to people. Hello, everybody. I'm Tim Rice. I serve the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Anybody here from South Carolina? There are a few. Awesome. Uh, I'm the sending strategist for the missions mobilization team, and that's just a big jumbled word to mean trying to, trying to send people on mission through their churches to South Carolina, unreached places in our state, unreached cities and places in North America, and unreached people groups around the world. So it's great to be here today. That's good. That's good. So guys, let's start this conversation out with the biblical basics. So thinking about the concept of missions, the, the missional identity that we have, the sentness, the going, how does that relate to identity? Whoever wants to start. Derek would like to start. I appreciate that, guys. Um, so for me, uh, I have a, a unique story in becoming a Christian when I was a, a senior year, um, senior in college. And uh, for me in particular, looking at Paul um, in Acts and, and his conversion, uh, I saw a lot of things that, that were similar in that. And I just saw the way that even before Paul knew Christ, 
there was a lot about him that was being shaped in such a way that God was going to use that for his glory in the mission that he would then have. Um, the way his zeal for the law and studying the law and all of these things that apart from Christ would amount to nothingness, that upon his conversion were the very things that he used to be able to say, okay, when I go to the city, I'm going to the synagogues. I'm going to, to preach to them. And I know the law. I can, I can debate them in these things. All of this to say that this was the ways that God was shaping him even before um, he came to, new, to know Christ. And so with us, I felt that... Um, for me and my conversion, I believe this goes for everyone. I'm gonna, this might be a little Derekology, but I believe this goes for, for everybody. But just to say that we are all being shaped. If we, if we are believers, we are followers of Christ, we are all being shaped to be instruments for his glory in some particular fashion, wherever we may be. Um, so if that's serving on the mission field, any way that we love, any way that we interact with people is a manner in which we are either edifying those who are fellow believers or making his glory known to those who don't know him. So, That's good. Thanks, Jared. Well, um, the passage that I identify with the most or probably drives home to me uh, when it comes to mission and being sent is John 20, 21. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples, some of the last words he said was, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Y'all know that verse. Um, and it's not just the sending aspect that speaks to me. It's really about being one with Christ, that part of his identity as the Son of God, as Jesus, our Savior, was going. It wasn't just teaching. It wasn't just healing. All those things were part of him and, who, and what he did. But part of his identity was being sent. And, uh, and so from a young, young age, just experiencing mission and having a chance to serve in different roles in different places, I realized if I'm going to try to be more like him, if I'm going to live like Jesus, then part of that is to be sent and to go where, where he sends me to go, to my neighbor, uh, to my coworkers or friends, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth and those places where people have had no chance or very little chance to hear. And so sending to me is kind of really captured by that verse of John 20, 21. Yeah, yeah for me, um, I think of Matthew 9, 36 through 38, when Jesus looks out over the crowd and he has compassion on them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I was one of those college students who was walking across my campus one day. I was completely as far from God as you can imagine. Some college students gave me a free Coca-Cola on a 100-degree day in a commuter parking lot. And they just said, I said, why would, you know, is this about a free credit card? Was, you know, what is this about? And they were like, uh, no, we're just here to tell you that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. So at that moment, I met those students. They invited me to Bible study, and, and I became part of that family. Talk about identity. So I realized as I became a follower of Christ, I joined his family. So this is what our family does, right? It's not just, you know, when you're with your family, there's ways your family does things. My family is with my father and with my brothers and sisters, and there are things that we do as a family. And one of the main things that we do with a family is to help other people join that family and tell them about Jesus. So that was really uh, meaningful to me and really has kind of walked with me through many years. I think about that all the time. The other part of that verse that's amazing, and I've actually been praying it over each of you while we're here, is at the end of those verses it says, to pray that more people will be called out to go. Jesus says, pray that there'll be more people to go. So even before you guys got here, I was sitting here in this chapel yesterday praying for you that people from this very group would be called out to go to your campus 
uh, to tell people who don't know Jesus on that campus, high school, college, wherever, also to the other end of the world where people are born, live their whole life, and die, and they never hear Jesus' name. Uh, my story is I, I was a preacher's kid, missionary kid, uh, came to college and spent about two years in college running as far from the calling uh, as I possibly could. And uh, I really had seen the inner workings of the local church and hated it. Uh, and about the time God grabbed my heart, he made me fall back in love with the local church. So the, the passage that always comes to mind is in First Peter chapter 2. It says, uh, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so he's made us into a people for the purpose of proclaiming how excellent he is uh, to the ends of the earth. And so that derives who I am. We're, I, I like to tell students all the time that there are no junior members of the body of Christ. There's no such thing. Uh, there is no waiting. Once you become a part of the body, you're part of this kingdom, a part of this race, a part of this priesthood, and you have a job to do because it's part of your identity. Yeah, that's good. That became real for me whenever I was, I was about 15 years old, and um, an older brother in Christ had just kind of helped me to be uh, focused on reading the scriptures on a regular basis, and so I had started reading through the New Testament in Matthew, and um, got to Matthew 28, and I had heard that passage, the Great Commission, multiple different times, up in, uh, you know, probably hundreds of times at that point. My parents were missionaries. We were living in a foreign country. You know, we were living the life of the, the Great Commission. And yet, um, it had never sunk in that I was one of the disciples of Jesus, and that he was actually speaking to me when he said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so... Um, that became a, a real part of who I was when I understood that that was who I was. Um, yeah. So, guys, I, there's so many different opportunities for students like this to be able to engage in the mission of God locally, throughout North America, around the world. I'd love for you guys just to, to take time and share a little bit about what are some of those opportunities. Brad, will you start us out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, well, in Virginia, we have several opportunities. First of all, how many of you are from Virginia? Okay, great. Uh, come see me over lunch because we have opportunities for you. So our SBC of Virginia family has made opportunities for college students and for uh, seminary students working on your master's degree that you have a way to jump into some internships. So let me just tell you, you can come by. We can get you signed up for an internship working with students, working in missions. Uh, we're looking for folks to go to Lithuania for the summer, uh, and we have money to help you get there. Yes, I said we have money to help you get there. Um, so it, really, the opportunities are endless. We have 700 and some odd churches that you could be a part of that are looking for interns to come alongside of pastors, to come alongside of youth pastors to serve in the local church. So let me just encourage you to use the time that you have while in college and while in seminary to, to fall in love with the local church. Um, you will graduate from college one day, and that college ministry you're a part of will go away, and you will always have a local church. So fall in love with the local church, learn to serve within the local church, and see what it is to be a part of the body of Christ. 
So for me, um, working with the North American Mission Board as far as GenSend, we have a lot of different opportunities. Some of the main ones that I focus on are what we call GenSend Summers, in which you're talking um, six weeks to eight weeks in, in what we call a Send City. I'm pretty sure that's pun intended. Like you know, um, so and and so for us at Southeastern in particular, we're focusing on. Uh, Toronto, Canada, um, Portland, Oregon, San Diego, California, and kind of with an asterisk for Puerto Rico, where I spent seven months last year and loved it. Um, so all of us will be, uh, I believe, all of us will be at, uh, at lunch over in Ledford here in just a little bit. Love to come, have you all come talk to us. We'll tell you about all the love lovely opportunities that we have um, for you there. But just being able to say, guys, like whether you are, particularly for us, it's 18 to 25 is your age. Um, and just understand that as a student, it's very easy to, to whether you're in Christian college or, or college, whatever it might be, and say, man, once I get this, then I can do this. Um, and at, at no point is, is it this thing where it should be this, all right, well, I'm, I could be on mission, I could be serving, I could be loving people, but I'll do that once I, once I get a degree. Y'all, if, if you're not willing to do that now, a piece of paper is not gonna, not gonna enable you to do it then. It's not gonna drive that force in you to, to be able to do it then. So um, seek to know, seek to know how you can be on mission right now, whether it's for a week, whether it's for a summer, whatever it may be. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's the other commandment, no, so. Hey. Derek, will you also just take a little bit, little bit and just share about what the process would look like if somebody were to go with GenSend? What does that look like? Yeah, so I um, was going to kind of wait till lunch to kind of share this, but it's, it's very easy. Um, the process, you're, you're applying uh, through the North American Mission Board website. Um, it's basically you... If it's a six-week program, it's $200 is the entire price to be able to go. Um, you go for six weeks. You just have to be able to pay for your flight back. When you arrive, you get a $900 debit card to cover all of your expenses while you're there. So let me throw out that money, money, money card right there as well. Um, but also, when you're talking about particularly those, those three cities in the continental um, North America, basically, you're going there. You're going to a large city in which God has brought the nations to these cities. So if you're a person that wants to reach the nation, like God has given us the opportunity right here in North America to be able to do that as well. Um, and not only that, you're going and you're working alongside church planters and city coaches who are basically saying, look, wherever you end up, this is how you learn to live your life on mission. You don't, it doesn't have to be a thing where it's wait until you can go here in order to do this wherever you find yourself, whether that's Raleigh, whether that's Richmond, Virginia, whatever, whatever it looks like, how do you live your life on mission actively in that manner? So. And one of the things I really appreciate about the North American Mission Board is that they are focusing not just on North Americans. They are wanting to reach the nations who have come. And uh, let me just say also send relief as an option. So, I mean, you can just go online and sign up for Send Relief. You can go one or two people, you can put a whole group together, and it's so easy to jump in, especially in Puerto Rico. I just got back, he spent seven months there, and we'd say go. The needs are great, there's thousands of roofs needing to be put on homes, and you have the opportunity to speak the gospel into people's lives. And, and the nations are in Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico is a really easy place for the nations to come to, and so I would encourage you to go and be a part of that. Yeah, so I would share, so International Mission Board, who I share with, we have 3,700 full-time career missionaries that live around the world. 
right now. So it's, that's a praise to God. And tons of them want you to come and help and serve alongside them, join their team, be mentored by them, discipled by them while you go. Some examples uh, this coming summer, we need some guys that'll go hike in the Himalayas, village to village, telling people who worship everything that they can see because they're afraid of it, that there's a God who loves them. And all that looks like is putting a backpack on your back Village to village, set up your tent, hang out in the village for a few days, make friends, share the gospel, um, and we see people accept Christ every summer that those teams go through. Uh, we have opportunities on the Venezuela-Colombia border. You may have seen on the news that Venezuela's, uh, the whole country's basically collapsing right now, and tons of people are leaving because they can't feed their kids, their families. They're streaming across these bridges every day, and we have relief centers sitting right there inside Colombia, so you could join the team to be standing there to welcome these refugees, to share the gospel with them, to pray with them, to spend time with their kids, to give them food and other things that they need to survive. Uh, also opportunities this fall. It's not just about the summer. Some of you can get credit for going uh, for a semester if you're here at the seminary and other places. Um, we have some opportunities to teach English um, at a Mediterranean city in a country where tons of the earliest churches were, like things that we're reading about in our scripture. Now the people who live in those same places, they don't even know who Jesus is. Just go have conversational English with them while you're hanging out with them. You get the opportunity to make friends with them, share the gospel. We see people all the time accepting Christ there. The church started there, and the church will be strong there again one day. Um, I'd love to make you aware of a couple opportunities that the State Convention of South Carolina is promoting. You actually got a little postcard in your, in your box when you registered. Uh, one is to do uh, disaster relief, uh, home repair from the devastation from the floods from several years back. In the state of South Carolina, we've got a project this summer that would be perfect for students or student groups uh, to come serve. It's just a week-long project, so you know we want you to think about week-long, summer long, semester long, whatever time you have, the Lord could use that. Um, that's the uh, rehab project. And then in August, we're actually promoting a week of uh, mission engagement in New York City. Again, you probably heard over and over again, the nations have come to North America, to the United States. And so we'll be partnering with church planters and missionaries in Queens, New York, working among uh, thousands of people groups from South Asia and other parts of the world. And we're looking for some student groups and student leaders to sign up for that project. But I also want to plant this thought in your head. More than likely, your church may have a summer project going on, and they would love to have you be a part of that if you're not already. They could use you as a leader, I'm sure. They could use you as a mentor. And, uh, and so be thinking about that as you look at your time and what you have available. Uh, that one-week time could be huge uh, when it comes to kingdom impact for the glory of God. So think about those opportunities, too. There's one more that I'll throw at you. Um, actually, it's a student that's here at Southeastern that I ended up getting connected with uh, almost a year and a half ago now. And um, we had identified probably four years ago an unreached people group living in the Greensboro area. Uh, it's a West African Muslim group that's there and it's the largest population of that group anywhere in North America. And we had a church actually from South Carolina that was taking short-term trips up to connect with this group because they were already working with this group in West Africa. But we didn't have anybody local that was able to receive those teams and continue the work beyond just those short-term trips every you know, three to six months. And so 
ended up connecting with this young lady. She actually came out of that church in South Carolina. She was here at Southeastern. She still is here at Southeastern. And she decided to volunteer eight hours of her time every week to drive to Greensboro and sit in hair braiding salons with West African women and share the gospel, befriend them, share the gospel with them, disciple these believers that were there. I wish I had dozens of young ladies and young men who are students who are willing to take the time that they have and volunteer that time to go and spend among unreached people groups right here. I wish I had dozens. So if something like that would be of interest to you, I, I would love to talk with you about that. Um, that would be an incredible thing. And, and can I just speak to that? You said dozens of young women and young men. Um, and uh, I know Chad can attest to this. Hey, guys, you got to go. I mean, it is just about every appointment service, every sending celebration. We're seeing numbers of young women who are ready to go to the nations. And guys, you got to get on board. Um, part of your identity in Christ is being sent. And you want to lead your families well one day, lead them on mission. You want to lead churches well, lead them on mission. Lead out now. Take those opportunities. So I'll just give that as a challenge to the guys in the room. Can I add to that? Yeah. So, um, so I would just say beyond what the fact that we as guys need to step up and lead, I would also say that as we go into other cultures around the world, um, they're not like our culture. Men don't talk to women. Women don't talk to men. If only women go, only the women there here right? And then many of the women accept Christ, praise God, and they are, but they're in a family with a husband who's not a believer. If guys will go, then guys also here, and we see whole families come to know the Lord. So just think about that as far as the need. The need is there for everyone to go. The ladies are going at a kind of unprecedented level, and guys, we need to step up. So let's step back, and maybe if a couple of you guys would speak, instead of to the students, let's speak to the student leaders and the church leaders that are in this room, the pastors that may be here. Would one of you guys want to speak to that? I'll speak. As a local church pastor, I would say this. If you're a youth leader or a student leader in a local church, build it into the DNA of your group now. Like, you can start now. If you haven't had missions going, being sent as part of the DNA of your group, start now. Uh, and there are easy ways to jump on. So it could just be a week-long mission trip. It could be thinking, let's go to Mfuge instead of Centrifuge. You know, I mean, it could be a simple step like that. But begin to teach your students about who they are in Christ as the sent ones, as the people who are ambassadors on the earth. So go ahead and start that work now, and it will be, it will be built into the culture of church, your church. There is no greater change agent in local churches than seeing young people grow up in the church who love Christ and who love to share the good news of Christ around the world. You will change the culture of your church. Um, I would also say, how many of you might be thinking about church planting at some point, or any, any of the guys in here thinking about church planting? Maybe you're a seminary student, you wanna plant? Yeah, okay. Build it into the DNA of your plant, okay? I, I work with church planters all the time, and some of the things about church planting that can get you uh, into trouble are that you begin to be about building something. And, and so you're going into a community, but you're not going beyond that. Build it into the DNA of your church plant that you're gonna go to the nations. I would just say, you know, Raleigh's a great example. Uh, there are cities all over South Carolina, North Carolina, I would say even up into Richmond, 
up into DC. So within driving distance of here, there are tons and tons of people that you can reach with the gospel. There are over 200 nations represented in Washington, D.C. alone. Zach was a part of mapping uh, D.C. along with our convention uh, to, to see where these nations are. So we know where they are. Now we just need people who would go. And we have housing in D.C. where you can take your youth group up and stay for the week and serve alongside churches. So th- it's easy. We, we think it's difficult, but I'm just telling you, as a local church pastor, it's easier than you think. These guys are great partners. The IMB and North American Mission Board are great partners for your local church. Jump online, figure out how you can plug in now. Yeah, I would say to leaders who are in the room, if you challenge your students to go, they'll go. If you don't challenge your students to go, they won't go. And I'm not talking about like a general kind of thing. I'm talking about going to have coffee, sitting with people, praying. Like God is calling people, all of us. I mean, it's clear in scripture. So he's got students from your group that he's called to go to take the gospel out of their culture. Uh, and so that's my story. Uh, I was in that campus ministry group that I told you guys about earlier. Uh, I was probably there about three or four months. Uh, the, they asked me to help start raising money for missions. I started doing that, and uh, I, liked, I liked that. That was fun, you know, pie auctions and all that kind of crazy stuff that you do. Um, and then my campus minister sat me down, and he said, uh, so, yeah, you've been raising all this money for mission. Great. Um, so are you going to go? And I, I, I said, I, I couldn't even tell you where to find the Ten Commandments in the Bible. I, I, don't, know, I don't know anything. I, I just started reading the Bible. He said, you know that Jesus is your Savior, and you know how to share that. And he said, we're not going to love you less if you don't go, but we really think you need to go. And so I went home, and I thought about that in my dorm for the next couple days and prayed through it. And I was like, he's right. I, you know, I, I, was, I didn't want to do it. I'm, I'm, from, I'm from District 12, Alabama. Have you seen like Hunger Games? I'm like from District 12, Alabama, from the middle of nowhere. I'd never been on an airplane. I'd never done anything. It was crazy. My family thought I'd lost my mind, but, but God told me to do it. I, I knew he did. So, and it, it took that leader voice. So if you're a leader here, challenge your students individually to go and do things and then help them. They helped us go and it, it, was, it was amazing. I got to go to inner city New Orleans one summer with NAM. I got to go to inner city Louisville the next summer with the North American Mission Board. And both summers, God allowed me to be the person to share with somebody who accepted Christ, right? And that was, I would have never imagined that. I, I just thought I couldn't do it, but God knew that he was calling me to go. So. I, I would also say as a student leader, don't just challenge them, but serve as the example of going. Like, jump on a plane. Uh, go to the local coffee shop. Have conversations. Uh, go into their schools. Have conversations with students. Find ways to make sure that your students don't just hear that they should be doing this. We never want to be the guys who are saying, do as I say, not as I do. Because uh, the rest of the passage that I, um, that I was sharing earlier uh, from First Peter chapter 2 says that our conduct is supposed to be such in front of the world that when they speak against us as evildoers, they'll see our good deeds and they'll glorify God. Uh, and, and so don't be the type of leader that says, do as I say. Be the type of leader who will say, do as I do. Uh, lead out. Um, so I'll, I'll say our state convention, I don't know about you guys, if you could speak to that, but we have uh, ways to send pastors and youth pastors and missions pastors uh, on vision trips around the world, jump on one of those, learn what it is, grab a heart for the nations, and then bring that back to your students. Yeah, Tim and I both have that similar, similar thing in our states as well. So um, one, thought, uh, one thought that you want these students to walk away from this conversation with 
that you're, it hasn't been said yet and they need to hear it. One thought I, I'd love to share with you that's true of my journey was uh, that God has a place for you that fits who you are. You might be someone saying, God can't use me because of this in my past, or God could never use me because I look this way or I talk this way or I don't speak well. You know, I was afraid of speaking in public, and I still am just a little bit, but, um, but God found unique places where, where he wanted me to serve that fit who I was. And so if you're struggling with that, uh, I mean, talk to us. And Chad has a book full of projects. I'm sure Derek has tons of projects of all kinds, all different places for unique people. And that's who you are. You're, you're unique and special. God's made you that way. It's not by an accident, but it might be so that you could be the, the light to someone in a dark place, in a dark world who, who feels insignificant, right? And so uh, that's what I'd love for you to think about is why has God made you the way you are? It might be to be used for his glory in a nearby place or it might be a faraway place, but, but he's the one who knows. And so ask him to show you that place. Because we've been loved by God, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our mind. Um, from that, we love our neighbors as ourselves. And we've heard from, from pretty much all of us up here to say that y'all, like, as much as, as it probably ever has been in the world, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers, as we're hearing, whether it's men, whatever it is, the laborers are few. Um, and so just join, in the same way, in the same way that the disciples did at, the, at that time, like, pray to the Lord, the Lord of this very harvest that we're talking about, that he would raise up the laborers for this mission. But like, as we do that, take this seriously in understanding that the very ones that he said to pray to the Lord of the harvest were the ones that he then sent out into that world. And so um, for, for everyone in here, I believe there are people in this room that this should be striking, that this is striking at their hearts right now to say, man, like I'm willing to pray for this and Lord willing, here I am, send me. Um, so let that be kind of my closing remark there. I, I would say, I would actually echo something that Chad hit on and that is uh, he was told that uh, by his student leaders that they would not love you any less if you didn't go. So hear, hear this, that your identity in Christ is as a sent one. If you don't go, it's not that God's going to love you less. Okay? It, it, it truly is an act of God's mercy and love that he utilizes us in his mission. So take the calling to go as an act of his love and his grace toward you, that he would take the weird people like me and use us for his glory, that he would take you as an oddball, as an outcast. And remember that you are meant to live on this earth as a sojourner and an exile. You want to talk about identity shift? Stop trying to fit in. Like, be the sojourner in exile that God has called you to be so that you will not find your treasure in this earth, but you will lay up and store up your treasures in heaven. Yeah, I would just say, um, echoing a little bit of what Brad was sharing, um, if you're a follower of Christ in the room, he does give you a choice if you will follow the path he has for you in life. Um, you can choose to do what you want to do, or you can choose to do what he asks you to do. Uh, I know in my life and in hundreds of other people that I've talked with, uh, the folks who choose to do what Jesus calls them to do, both by sharing the gospel where they live and then taking it to people who don't know, the, um, they have incredible lives. 
They don't have easy lives, but they have incredible lives. If you choose to go your own way, you'll have a life that's got less peace, less joy, and less adventure. Um, because following Jesus is always an adventure. It requires a good bit of faith. And I, I just say one last thing to people in the room who are like me, who are af- kind of, whether they would admit it or not, are afraid to go. Like this is, like afraid that they're not good enough or afraid that something bad could happen. Uh, Job 14.5, it says that God knows exactly how long we will live down to the month, and we cannot live a minute longer. That means by not obeying God, you're not going to have a safer life. You're just going to have a life with less joy and peace. Um, and so you have a choice about that, about where you go. That doesn't mean you have to go all the way to the other side of the world, but that does mean that God has called you to share the gospel with people who have not heard, whether they're in your school or wherever. So I would leave that with you. And I would say all of us, they echoed, we want to talk with you. We'll be over at lunch. We do have opportunities. We have T-shirts. We have all kinds of stuff. We want to talk with you because we, there are some opportunities, and I have no doubt that some of you in this very room are called to go. Just to qualify that, Chad has T-shirts. I have T-shirts. The rest of us have so T-shirts. So just, just the IMB has T-shirts. So, yeah. Um, one, one, one other thing that that I'll say. One thought. God is. We already know from the Book of Romans that God is already in a conversation with every person that exists on the planet. Every person that you know who's far from God, He's already in a conversation with them. We know that they, every single one of them, know enough to condemn them to hell. But God has put you in their lives so that they might have opportunity to hear good news, the gospel, so that they might not have to be condemned to hell.